Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, exciting show tonight, a little bit of a shorter show uh, than usual, um, but... Uh, if you did, if you missed it, uh, the last episode, episode 84, was actually episode one of Bubba and the Bat Flip. It's a new collaboration I'm doing with uh, Bubba from the Bench with Bubba podcast. We're going to be doing a weekly podcast every Monday night, uh, comprehensive, taking a look at some guys who are doing well, some guys who are doing poorly, uh, and whether we expect that to hold maybe a little bit about why they might be performing the way that they are performing, and then touching on some things like fab bids uh, and a lot of stuff. So we've been getting some good feedback so far on the first show. If you haven't checked that out, uh, please do uh, let us know uh, what you think about it. Uh, But uh, as I mentioned on that podcast, I am going to continue to provide um, solo pods in addition to potentially some pods down the road with interviews and other things But what I'm going to really try to do is focus on that one main uh, comprehensive pod each week and then uh, uh, supplement that with one or two shorter podcasts throughout the week. And so they may be, you know, 30 minutes long. They may be the normal size podcast, which for me is like seven hours. Uh, Or, you know, it could be 15 minutes. It could be five minutes. But really, like as I am doing the analysis uh, on a day-by-day basis, if there are things that are jumping out to me, things that I think you should know, um, then I really want to be um, sharing that. Like today, earlier before uh, the outing, I tweeted about uh, Masahiro Tanaka and some of the concerning trends in his underlying profile and what a scary matchup the Red Sox were. And well, that turned out very, very poorly uh, for Tanaka. So just as I see things like that, I really want to be bringing those to listeners' attention. Um, sometimes they work out, like tonight. Sometimes they don't, uh, like Shane Bieber, who I'm going to be covering uh, in this podcast. I'm going to take a look at Bieber, focus a little bit on him, uh, taking a look back because I'm going to take a big L on on Bieber for the season. It's not that I was down on him like I was on Pavetta or uh, Luis Severino because those were guys that I put in my bold predictions as uh, as being poor values, but it was more about where Bieber was going and some of the concerns that I had that his profile looked like those guys. You know, bad fastball, um, really bad Babbitt gets hit really hard. Um, and I think I let a little bit of my bias creep in there because I think there are some dif- some things that differentiated Bieber um, from some of the other guys um, before the season started. So I'm going to take a little bit of a look back at that. Also take a look at Reynaldo Lopez, Zach Gallen, Joe Musgrove, Vince Velasquez, um, Brad Keller, and then I'll also touch a little bit on uh, Masahiro Tanaka for folks who missed the tweet, which is probably a ton of people because I just tweeted one little tweet about it. Um, in addition, I'm going to take a look at two hitters who have had monster games in the past couple days, Paul DeYoung, who hit three home runs uh, on Wednesday, and then Danny Santana, Um, who I think only has one home run today, but he has six RBIs and he has been on fire recently. Um, So I'm going to take a look at them. Uh, As always, if you have not already, please do go to iTunes, give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Always really, really appreciate that. Even if you just appreciate uh, the the collaborative pods with me and Bubba, give uh, me a five-star rating and a review. If you like the podcast, that is. Don't do anything you don't want to do. Uh, or And go over to Bubba's as well and do the same. Um, it really does help uh, get it in front of people, as does sharing it. So if you can just like, retweet, um, share with folks that you enjoy the pod, it really does help 
um, us and me get the podcast out there. So thank you so much uh, for doing that. As always, the best place to reach me is on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. All right, let's dive into some interesting uh, pitchers. Uh, Yeah, let's get this party started. To start off today's podcast, I am going to reevaluate Shane Bieber. Uh, Bieber is a guy before the season, I was not as high, I would say, as the uh, general consensus within uh, the fantasy baseball uh, industry and or just, you know, folks who put out rankings and things like that. I was definitely one of, if not the low person on Bieber. I think there was a lot of things to like, you know, the K minus walk rate. Um, some of the underlying skills were really nice, but I was really worried about the quality of contact that Bieber was giving up. We've seen that throughout some starts, you know, where he's kind of, kind of blown up a little bit, but I was worried about something similar to what we've seen with Chris Archer, right? A guy who, um, shows us some really nice peripherals, but because of the Babbitt, because of the home run to fly ball rate, the quality of contact that they give up, they never really reach those, um, uh, those peripherals. And there was other guys that I was down on. Uh, I mentioned in the intro, like Nick Pavetta was somebody that I was totally off of. Um, and I think uh, Luis Severino was as well. I mean, that you can't really take the W on that. I don't own any shares of him. I sold him in my dynasty league uh, during the off season before the injury. Um, and so, you know, I, I could take a W on that one, but I'm not quite it's not like we've seen him pitch, right? And he's pitched poorly. So it remains to be seen how he's doing. But I think it's instructive to take a look at Bieber um, and to, to compare him to those two guys because I think the major difference is none of them have good fastballs, but Bieber has the most dominant secondary pitch. And last year that was his slider, you know, around 25% swinging strike rate, well over 40 percent uh, O swing, just a really, really uh, dominant, uh, dominant pitch. Now he only had that one dominant pitch. The curveball was not what it's been so far this year, but that's very different from Pavetta who, you know, had two breaking balls that were kind of in the 15 to 16% swinging strike range, which is certainly good if it in and of itself. Um, but uh, for, in terms of breaking balls, they're, uh, it's, it's slightly below average for a swinging strike rate, um, at least for the slider. And so the same thing with Severino, you know, his slider, which, you know, is known as one of the best pitches in the game. It's not a bad pitch by any stretch of the imagination, but even it, its swinging strike rate is around 17% um, throughout his career versus Bieber, who was at about 25%. So I think that's one of the things, just like going back and thinking about maybe where I made a mistake um, I think that is is one of the pieces, um, you know, where uh, where I made an error uh, on analyzing Bieber. There, I think a couple other things, um, you know, that about Bieber. I think you know another one. I think is just bias. I think at a certain point, you kind of have a feeling about a player, and regardless of what the information tells us, or um, not regardless of what it tells us, but the way we interpret the, the intel may be different, right, than what um, uh, than a player that we have, feel positively towards. You know, like Joe Musgrove heading into the season, I'll get to him in a little bit, but, you know, he was, he was coming off of an injury, right? He had abdominal surgery, and I was so into him in the profile that I saw with him and the potential that I saw with Musgrove that I think I blinded myself a little bit to that. And we've seen him struggle with velocity throughout the year and really not regain the velocity that he had 
um, all of last year, especially towards the end of last year uh, when he was so successful. So I think bias is a part of it. Uh, I think failing to see that um, the elite uh, secondary pitch, or at least failing to see how that is different within his profile than maybe some of the other guys who were there. Um, and so I think those are two major things that I missed. And I think the third one is just the situation and the environment, right? Bieber is on the Cleveland Indians. The Indians have a number of guys. Uh, Mike Clevenger comes to mind. Um, Carlos Carrasco, guys who have terrible fastballs, but have managed to, to, developed, to develop breaking, pit, breaking balls um, and change-ups that are dominant and allow them to succeed and, and really thrive as pitchers. And so I think all of those things were things that maybe I should have considered and I didn't. Uh, and the result is an L, and I apologize to folks who listened to me and stayed away from Bieber. Um, you know, I appreciate you listening um, and, 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 and trusting my opinion that much, and so I do apologize, and I want to be a, accountable for making that mistake. I'm obviously going to make a ton of them. Uh, I'm going to be right sometimes. I'm going to be wrong sometimes. Hopefully, I'm right more often than I am wrong and more helpful than I am detrimental to you. And if I'm more detrimental, you'll probably stop listening to my podcast or following me on Twitter. But uh, hopefully, it, it hasn't hurt you too much, but I think I'm definitely going to take the L on Bieber. But let's just dive in now that I've done a little bit of uh, kind of looking back at, at some of my own mistakes and in, in analyzing him and maybe what I may, failed to miss or failed to appropriately consider heading to the season. Let's take a look at Bieber and what we see right now, because I think there's some really interesting, interesting changes in his profile that we've seen. Um, so, so far this year, uh, 133 and one-thirds innings pitched, a 344 ERA, a 105 whip. Really nice there. 166 166Ks in those 133 innings. A 332 Sierra and a 315 XFIP. Not surprising since you know he is a he is a peripheral and ERA estimator darling. Fastball velocity this year at 93.5, which is right where he was last year. The O swing is up 4% from last year at 34.6%. A really, really nice number there. His first pitch strike rate is down 4% at 62.6%. And I think this is a really interesting trend with Bieber. And I think it really shows that he gets it. And I think there were some analysts, I think Alex Chamberlain in particular, who was, who was big on Bieber heading into the season and I think pointed this out, which is that um, you know, he's just, uh, he needed to nibble, you know, he needed to, he couldn't be as, um, he had control, like he was throwing the ball over the plate, but he didn't have command. Or even if he had command, he was too interested in, in getting strikes and not walking guys, um, and less interested in making, you know, the best pitch that he could, if, if that makes sense. I mean, he's always trying to make the best pitch that he could, but he was missing too much middle-middle, right? He was leaving the ball over the plate too much instead of really nibbling and then relying on uh, those great breaking pitches that he had. So where this really comes into place is his zone percentage. His zone percentage, we saw that his first pitch strike rate is down 4%. His zone percentage is down 10% from last year. That's right. It's down 10% from last year. It's at 38.4% this year, which is below league average. The percent of pitches, though, that are balls that he's thrown is 34.8%, which is still uh, better than league average. It's lower than league average, but better than league average, which is 36.1% for the percent of pitches that are balls. Um, So again, the control metrics overall are still 
working well, but it's a very, very different profile. He's getting uh, swings on pitch on more pitches outside the zone because he's dropped his fastball usage by 13%, right? So he's throwing those pitches that get folks to chase more. Um, and he's not throwing the ball in the zone as much as he did before. And I think that's why we've seen some of the improvements um, from him, at least from a batted ball quality perspective, or at least that's what I would like to like to think. Um, his in-zone contact rate is even at 85.4%. His swinging strike rate is at 14.2%. So what does that tell you? It tells you that uh, batters are being just as successful at making contact inside the zone on Bieber's pitches, but his swinging strike rate is going up, which means that folks are swinging and missing on pitches outside the zone. Again, not surprising because he's throwing his fastball less. He's getting more people to swing at pitches outside the zone. Uh, the swinging strike rate is growing up. And then the most, the best two metrics, I think, in, in evaluating Bieber is the CSW, right? The called plus swinging strike. which is a really elite number. That's among the league leaders. League average is around 28.5%. So right there you see that he is just getting more strikes and he's throwing fewer balls. And then the K minus walk rate just summarizes it. 25.5%, which is elite. 31.1% K rate and a 5.6% walk rate. Now his BABIP is down at 287, where it was at like 360 last year. But his strand rate is right about where it should be, 72.8%, nothing too crazy. His home run per fly ball rate is actually a little elevated, 16.5% this year. Although, believe it or not, uh, home run per fly ball rate this year is now above 15% league-wide, which is nuts because last year it was around 12%. And then his ex-WOBA at 310, um, and then his WOBA at 281. So there has been some luck uh, according to expected WOBA, but what I'd say about that is earlier in the year there was a much bigger differential and his ex-wobo was much, much worse. And what that tells me is that recently um, he's really turned it on and that ex-wobo, if you were to look at that um, over the last month or so, um, let's say, uh, then I think you would be looking at um, uh, a much much improved player. And then when you look at the bat projection for the rest of the season, a 373 ERA, a 115 whip, 74 Ks and 65 innings pitched. Um, you know, at this point in time, I'd take the under on that. Um, you know, obviously the projection is a medium projection, 50 percentile, but uh, Bieber's been pitching re- really well recently. He's going to get a lot of matchups against the AL Central, um, and I think uh, there's a lot to like there. The other major development for Bieber, which uh, I think has really, really helped him a lot this year, and one that honestly, like, you couldn't see coming necessarily, is a major change in his curveball. Now, last year it had a 14.5% swinging strike rate and a 40.6% O swing. That has leapt up 11% to a 25.6% swinging strike strike rate on his curveball, actually better than his slider, and a 48% O-swing. His changeup is also better um, across the board. And so he's really been able to develop those additional pitches. And I think a really good comp for Bieber is another guy that is in their rotation, Carlos Carrasco. You know, a guy who's prone to having, you know, two or three blow-up starts in the course of a year. Uh, but when you average it out over the course of a season is a borderline ace, if not an ace. And I think that's where uh, Bieber um, is getting himself to. Uh, when we take a look at his fastball, his fastball last year was a 148 WRC plus again. 
against, which is terrible. It's down to a 97 right now. And as I mentioned before, he's throwing 12% fewer fastballs, and that's huge. So when you look at it all bundled up in a package, I mean, he's throwing his worst pitch less. His best pitch is about as good as it was last year. And then his secondary pitches are even better than they were last year. And in fact, the curveball may be his best pitch. It probably is his best pitch this year um, by pretty much every single metric. And so uh, when you take a look at that, I mean, I think you're looking at an elite pitcher, somebody who um, is is ace material. And I think you're probably going to see him going in 15 team drafts, you know, uh, end of the second, early third in NFBC drafts at least, maybe a little later than that in traditional drafts. But I think he's probably going to be a top 15 uh, guy moving forward. And, you know, there's there's not a lot uh, not to like um, right here. And so um, kudos to folks who uh, saw what Bieber was doing and had faith. You've been repaid uh, over and over and over uh, again for that. And for those of us who took a took an L, uh, let's uh, take it as an opportunity to learn as much as we can uh, from the mistake and try to be better in our analysis next time. Uh, we're not going to get them all right, but I think uh, getting getting better, improving, um, and trying to learn from those mistakes is uh, is critical. All right, let us take a little bit of a, a, a smaller dive into some of the other uh, pitching performances from today, Thursday, and Wednesday that stood out. Vince Velasquez is a guy that I've been talking about for a few weeks now since his, uh, his numbers have been a lot better since he rejoined the rotation um, for the Phillies. Uh, one thing just, just uh, contextually I think I like about Velasquez too, he threw 110 pitches against the Tigers on Wednesday, um, which is terrific. I mean, Vince Velasquez throwing 110 pitches is incredible. Um, but I think also, you know, when you think about the Phillies rotation and all the struggles that they're having, I think Velasquez is fairly safe with his rotation spot, at least at this juncture. And so uh, that also, especially in deeper leagues, you know, where maybe you're not uh, as concerned about, you know, the, the, the possible blowups for Velasquez, because let's be honest, that's kind of part of what goes along with the package with him. But, um, you know, knowing that he's going to be in the rotation, it makes him a lot more uh, uh, appetizing. He's not a, he's not a food, uh, but it makes him a lot more interesting uh, to take a look at. So let's, let's take a look. So against the Tigers, 16 swinging strikes on 110 pitches. That's a 14.5% swinging strike rate. Solid right there. His CSW actually wasn't that great. Um, uh, and his, uh, percent of pitches that were balls wasn't either 28 out of 110 pitches went for called and swinging strikes. That's a 25.4% rate. Um, that's below league average. And then his, he had a 37.3% of his pitches, 41 of those 110, uh, went for balls, which is worse than league average. So a little bit of a mixed start, but you know, the Tigers, um, a heavily, heavily right-handed lineup. I think they're a good matchup for Velasquez. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think one of the things that I really like about Velasquez since he's rejoined the rotation, his fastball has always been his best pitch and it's really been a dominant pitch for him since he's come back. I mean, he has given up some quality of contact. We saw, I think four home runs against the Dodgers. 
Um, but you know, you shouldn't have been starting him against the Dodgers. No offense, <laughs> but uh, ten out of sixty-nine uh, swinging strikes on his fastball, which is really nice um, uh, for him on his four-seam fastball. That's his bread and butter. One thing that I found really interesting is that he threw the highest percentage of pitches um, as curveballs since April. Twenty-one percent of his pitches were his knuckle curve, um, and the pitch doesn't generate a ton of whiffs. It, it did a decent job of whiffs in this game, but it does generate generate a 57 uh, 57% ground ball rate. So that's kind of an interesting pitch when he's trying to manage contact. And that might be why we see, um, uh, you know, that lower, uh, that lower CSW for the outing because, you know, they got up, um, he was trying to maximize his start. So, and he was getting behind a decent amount. So maybe throwing that curve a little bit. I don't know. That's, that's conjecture. I didn't watch the game, but, um, just something that, that that's interesting to note is that's different because normally he relies heavily on that slider as his breaking pitch. Um, it's encouraging him to, for him, as I mentioned, uh, to see him go 110 pitches. He also went six inning pit, innings pitched and got that quality start. And that's the first time he's gone six innings since April. And so this may make him a little bit more interesting in quality start leagues as well. And what will make him super interesting to folks is his next three starts are uh, at home against the Giants, uh, away um, at uh, Arizona. Uh, a little bit of a tricky start there, but then at San Francisco as well. So three really nice matchups uh, when you think about three the three possible matchups that he could have. The air at Arizona and the at San Francisco is going to be a two-start week for him. So I think in deeper leagues, you can start him probably the next two weeks uh, and feel pretty good. And then obviously you have the Phillies uh, offense behind him, which has been, you know, it's been uh, hot and cold, but uh, it's better than a lot of offenses out there. Next up, Reynaldo Lopez. Um, another guy that I tweeted about, uh, his velocity has just been way up uh, since the uh, since the second half started. Uh, he was dominant yesterday. 21 out of 97 swinging strikes. That's a 21.6% swinging strike rate. 42 out of 97. 43.3% called plus swinging strike rate. That is elite, elite, elite. One of the highest numbers that you are going to see in any game this season probably. And then his percentage of balls. And this is very encouraging for Lopez who has had control problems throughout his career. 18 of 97 pitches were balls, so only 18.6% balls. And that's really been something that stood out, um, you know, since the All-Star break is he's just pounding the zone. Um, his zone percentage, I believe, is around um, about 48%. Uh, we covered him um, on the podcast with uh, Bubba but um, uh, on Monday, but I just wanted to follow up on him, just given, again, a third consecutive really, really strong outing. He averaged close to 97 miles per hour, uh, 96.8 miles per hour, according to Brooks Baseball, and 96.5 miles per hour, according to StatCast. So really, really nice there. Um, I shared a stat on the podcast, uh, but um, when uh, Lopez's fastball, he throws a fa- his four-seam fastball 97 miles per hour or higher, uh, his expected WOBA is in the mid 200. So really, really nice, especially for a fastball. Uh, anything below that, it's in the mid 300, which is really, really bad. Um, so uh, that's really important. That velocity is critical to him. 10 out of 54 uh, swinging strike uh, on his slider or on his fastball. That's an 18.5% swinging strike rate on that four seam. That is awesome. And then a 10 of his 31 sliders went for swinging strikes. That's 32.2% 
awesome as well. Again, velocity is really the key. Um, home runs are still an issue. That's what he gave up. But I think that's that's just something that you have to kind of accept with Lopez at this point. He's a high fly ball pitcher uh, with, you know, the reduced drag ball. This is just something I think that uh, is going to happen. And the key is limiting that walk rate um, because the fly ball rate will limit the BABIP a little bit. If he doesn't walk guys, then he's given up a lot of solo shots instead of those uh, those ones that really hurt. Um, I did see something on Twitter, uh, somebody, I didn't follow them, but Eno Saris liked the tweet. Um, it was, I think, Manuel XL is the name, who was talking about um, Lopez's spin rate. Um, I didn't dive super deep into it, but essentially the, uh, I think the overarching point was that the spin rate seems to be different on his pitches uh, since the All-Star break and that he's admitted to making some kind of change, though there hasn't been much of an elaboration. And the developments were good, essentially, uh, was the breakdown of it. So if you do go to Twitter, search for manual, I think it's M-A-N-U-E-L, um, XL, like the Excel spreadsheet, E-X-C-E-L. Um, actually, you want to know something? I'll get the, I'll get the Twitter handle so folks who are interested um, can look it up. Um, it is uh, at Colin T-J, C-O-L-I-N, uh, TJ, um, and it was super interesting. I, I was kind of looking at it very quickly, um, and so I didn't have a chance to really dive in, but I think everything was positive there. And even more positive for Lopez, he does have a uh, two-start week next week um, against uh, at home against the Mets and then on the road against the Phillies. And so, you know, having the Mets at home, that's a solid matchup right there. And then on the road against the Phillies, a little bit of a tough ballpark, but at least he'll be fit, uh, facing an opposing pitcher. Uh, and the Phillies do strike out a decent amount. So that should be an interesting uh, matchup and test for Lopez. But I think in 12 teams and higher, you know, I'm, I'm rolling Lopez out there uh, next week. All right, uh, the guy who won the matchup uh, yesterday between Lopez um, uh, and this guy was Zach Gallon. Uh, 14 out of 95 pitches went for swinging strikes. That's a 14.7% swinging strike rate. 34 of 95 pitches went for called or swinging strikes. That's a 35.8%. CSW, that's really, really nice. And then only 28.4% of his pitches were balls, 27 of those 95. So a very nice uh, outing for Gallon. That was his first major league win. One of the reasons why I haven't been as high on Gallon is just because like many of the Marlins pitchers, wins are just going to be very, very hard to come by, especially since he's had trouble with control and really going deep into outings. Um, you know, the Miami's bullpen is kind of meh. Um, you know, Nick Anderson's okay, but even when you look at, you know, the actual outcomes from him, uh, not as great. And so, um, you know, that's one of the reasons, at least in a non-quality start league, why Gallon has not been as appealing to me. Um, he has struggled so far with his control. Uh, so heading into last night, he had a 14.1% uh, walk rate, which is about uh, almost twice as high as the usual for starters. Starters have a 7.7% walk rate this year. And then 39.1% of his pitches were balls, 36.1% being average. So the control just hasn't been there for him, uh, which is a little uh, surprising. You know, he did have really good control, a really low walk rate in triple A. Uh, again, you know, adjustments are needed. Uh, so let's dive uh, into the full package um, for Gallon for what we see. And I did put take these uh, numbers down yesterday. And so I'm, I'm not sure 
um, they're going to reflect uh, the most the most recent numbers um, for him. Actually, you want to know something? I did these this morning. Now that I'm looking at them, so these do reflect yesterday's start. So 29 uh, and a third innings pitched um, for uh, Gallon. Um, a 276 ERA, a 123 whip, so a really nice ERA. The whip a little higher, 35 Ks, but a 449 Sierra and a 458 um, XFIP for Gallon. So the ERA estimator is definitely not liking him um, uh, as much, and we'll get into a little bit about um, why that is. Fastball velocity at 92.2 miles per hour, so nothing special there. The O swing at 33.3%, that's really nice. Uh, the first pitch strike rate at 64%, that's nice as well. The zone percentage, even at 41.7%, it's slightly below league average, but it's not anything terrible. Uh, and now, after incorporating yesterday's start, he's at a 37.1%. Uh, walk rate. To be honest with you, that seem or percent of his pitches as balls. Um, that seems a little. Um, it seems a little high for him, just based on the underlying metrics. Right? He's getting ahead of folks. He's getting folks to swing at pitches outside the zone. And yes, his zone percentage is a little bit lower than league average, but still, um, you know that is. Um, you know, it's a little surprising. I think there's a little bit of positive regression uh, coming his way in the walk department because even the 12% walk rate, that doesn't really jive with uh, with the control metric. So I, I expect that to improve, and maybe yesterday was the first step towards that. Uh, in terms of his strikeout metrics, 87.8% uh, in-zone contact rate, so worse than league average there. And that just might, you know, um, limit the K rate a little bit uh, for him. Swinging strike rate at 12%. Uh, CSW at 28.3%. So while we might see a little bit of positive regression in that walk rate, I do think that the K rate is a little high at 28% uh, since his CSW is right around league average. So I'd expect that to fall. Maybe the K minus walk rate that's at 16% right now will stay about the same with the K rate going down and the walk rate going down as well. I think where we're probably going to see some negative regression for Gallon is in some of the batted ball metrics. Um, so his BABIP is at 260. 68 right now. That's obviously low. Um, his strand rate is at 79.8%. So both of those point to some regression. Again, not a ton, right? He doesn't have a 200 BABIP and a 90 uh, strand rate. And these types of fluctuations are, 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 you know, it's a small sample size, 29 and a third innings pitched. And so we'll likely see some regression there. But again, he's got a little bit to give with that 276 ERA. And again, have reasonable expectations, right? ERA for starters is up almost uh, 0.3 uh, year over year. And so, you know, him putting up a 4-2 ERA this year is the equivalent of a 3-9 ERA for a starter last year. So just keep that in mind. And where I think a lot of regression is due is a home run per fly ball rate at 6.7%. So again, like, you know, that's that I think is going to happen. Um, expected WOBA 314, uh, WOBA 303. Uh, again, those aren't predictive. I would expect some uh, some negative regression in the K K percentage and then the, the batted ball stuff uh, and then a little bit of positive regression in that walk rate. The bat has his projection at a 427 ERA rest of season with one uh, 1.27 whip, 48 Ks, and 51 innings pitched. That sounds about right to me uh, for what to expect from Gallon uh, moving forward. Uh, next up, we have... 
Oh, man, we talked about Shane Bieber and taking the L. God, I'm going to take two L's on this podcast. Joe Musgrove. Today's, today's start was just, it was like soul-defeating. Uh, three out of 89 of his pitches went for swinging strikes. It's a 3.4% swinging strike rate. 16 of his 89 pitches uh, went for uh, Calder swinging strikes. That's 18%. Uh, CSW, it's terrible. And then his control metrics, as usual, were fine. 31 of 89, 34.8% um, uh, percent of his pitches were balls. Uh, just a really disappointing start. He struck out two guys, the pitcher and the catcher. It was just awful. And, and the worst part, his fastball velocity was down at 91.9 miles per hour. That's where he was earlier on in the season. I mentioned in the, uh, in the Shane Bieber, talking about Shane Bieber, you know, Musgrove, um, you know, his fastball velocity last year was kind of 93-94. Um, this year it has been 92-93. It started out, you know, under that at the beginning of the season. He had abdominal surgery. It peaked at above 93 miles per hour over the full course of June, the months of June, uh, but now it's back down here in July. Um, and so just a major setback in terms of, you know, I think fantasy owners' expectations and what we were hoping for. Um, you know, he seemed to be turning things around heading into this start. You know, in his five games leading up to this start, his swinging strike rate was around 12%. His O swing was well above league average. His Z contact was slightly worse than league average, but um, okay. You know, his control metrics were fine. Everything looked good. But I think what, what I'm taking away from this start isn't that Musgrove is somebody that you're not going to use anymore or... You know, I just think let's just temper it. I don't think we're going to see the guy that many of us, myself included, were very much hoping and expecting to see this year. We're just not going to see this guy. And I think what we can look forward to is some up and down performances, some inconsistent performances. And sometimes that's really hard because as you look at matchups, you know, especially one week matchups like like this week, right? Choosing to choosing for the Cardinals. Um, that's just something where, um, you know, it's just, it's just disappointing, but I think that's the expectation I have for Musgrove moving forward. Brad Keller was a guy that a couple people asked about um, on Twitter, so let's take a look at him. Uh, he uh, had a seven shutout innings against the Braves uh, yesterday, Wednesday, one walk, four hits against, only three Ks though, and that's kind of the story with Keller. Uh, seven of his 88 pitches went for swinging strikes, that's 8%. 19 of his 88 Pitches went for called or swinging strikes. That's a 21.6% CSW, well below league average. Um, and then the one area where his uh, metrics have improved dramatically recently in his last five starts is uh, his control metrics. So he did have 29.5% of his pitches were balls, which were really good. Um, so, you know, the, the challenge with Keller and the reason why I'm not really that interested in him um, is that he gives up way too much contact. You know, it's just... Um, there's just way, way too much contact that Keller has given up. And in today's game, even with his really high ground ball percentage, you know, 59% over the last five games, Dakota Hudson also has a really high, um, you know, ground ball percentage. It's just really too dangerous to give up uh, contact. 
Um, and so that's the reason why I'm not really interested in Keller. But if you look over his last five, 8.6% swinging strike rate, so not very good. 87.7% Z contact, not very good. 33.3% O swing, that's very good or, or solid, you know, uh, better than league average. 45.7% zone percentage, that's key uh, for Keller to get better than league average there. Um, because, you know, uh, earlier this season, he was uh, below league average. 59.7% uh, first pitch strike rate, so a little worse than league average there. And as I mentioned, a 59% ground ball. 33% of his pitches have been balls over those five games. Um, so better than league average there, which is nice. But 26.3% CSW, 2% below league average about. And then a 289 expected WOBA. Again, expected WOBA is not predictive, uh, but he has been, you know, earning the kind of poor contact that he has been generating, which is really, really good. And he always goes through periods of doing that. And so that might be the case. His velocity is up slightly. And so, you know, if you're in a deep league, 15 teams or, or higher, you know, obviously, like, if he's got two starts coming up, something like that, you know, you can take... Um, uh, you can take a uh, a chance on that. Let's see. Does he have two starts? I should have I should have looked this up. Uh, yeah, he's going on Monday, KC. So against Toronto and then at Minnesota next week. So I wouldn't be starting him there. Toronto has been better than um, earlier on this season, and then Minnesota at home is just brutal. We're, we've been seeing them destroy guys. Uh, all week long, uh, including Lucas Giolito uh, this week. So I would stay away from that. But if you're desperate, you're just looking for volume. Uh, you know, you can you can run him out there. But just know that uh, at any point in time, he could get blown up. Just like pretty much any mediocre pitcher could. But he's more prone to it because he gives up so much uh, contact. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention about Keller, in addition, his BABIP is down over those five games at 276, and then his home run per fly ball rate is also down at 14.3%. Um, it had been um, it had been earlier this year uh, at closer to um, uh, 20%. Let's see what he has been historically compared to league average. Um, that will help us get a sense of what he should be. Oh, okay, so he's actually done a really good job of, uh, of limiting home run per fly ball rate. Um, and so maybe that's um, maybe that's not something that we'd expect regression. So again, there are worse options out there, but you're not going to get a ton of strikeouts. Wins with KC going to be maybe a little bit dicey. Um, so play the matchups, but I'm probably going to steer clear of Keller. Uh, all right. Uh, the other guy that I wanted to uh, mention just briefly was Masahiro Tanaka. I tweeted about him. So if you're interested in seeing kind of in-depth or not in-depth analysis, it's a, it's a tweet, uh, but my analysis on him, you know, essentially like I took a look at uh, him. I have him in one of my leagues and I was just taking a look under the hood and it just does not look good. Over his last five games, not including today's massive blow up, uh, his, his uh, four-seam fastball velo was down at 91.2 miles per hour uh, over those five games. That is his worst five-game stretch in three years. Actually in, well, actually not... Uh, it's the worst month, second worst month of his career, the last one being in 2016. And I think that was before he had kind of the, oh, my UCL is kind of not intact, but I don't need surgery type route. Um, so there's no been no news about him being injured, so we don't know if that's the case, but uh, there is some concern with the, the velocity dip. His velocity was back up today, and so that's actually a, an encouraging sign. Uh, I think he was at, um, I want to say it was at 92... Uh, nine maybe. Um, let's see where he was at. 
uh, just really quickly here. Sorry, don't you just love it uh, when I take the time to look this up. Okay, Mastanaka, he was at 92.4. Um, and so that's actually pretty encouraging um, uh, to see from him uh, right there. And so, you know, that's at least a move in the good direction. But, you know, his CSW over the last five games, 22.6%. That's terrible. His swinging strike rate was at 6.2%. That's also his worst five game stretch in the last three years. His in zone contact rate was at 93.2%, way worse than league average. Again, the worst five game stretch of his three of the last three years. And then his K percentage was at 12.6%. Once again, the worst five-game stretch uh, in three years. So all really, really bad signs leading up to today's game. Uh, and then even uh, worse um, today. And so uh, some concerns there with Tanaka. I am a little bit encouraged, not obviously by the outing that we saw today, but I am slightly encouraged by that velocity increase. So all is not lost necessarily with Tanaka, but I would just monitor that pretty closely. Uh, taking a look at two hitters. Um, so Paul DeYoung, um, he hit three home runs. He had, came out guns a blazing earlier this year and then has just been in a horrid little stretch of a couple months here uh the thing is nothing looks terrible under the hood for de Jong. over the last 30 games 29.8 percent o swing so better than lower than league average so he's not chasing pitches outside the zone his in zone contact rate is really good at 92.7 percent his ground ball rate is low at 37 percent his hard hit rate is elevated at 44 percent his K rate is below league average at 19.7%, as is his walk rate at 4.7%. But that doesn't necessarily reflect the fact that he um, you know, has poor plate discipline. He's swinging at fewer pitches outside the zone than league average. Um, I think it's a little low because he does make so much contact on pitches when they are in the zone. Um, and also, uh, just you know, it's probably just a small sample size thing over his last 30 games. Uh, 298 expected Woba over the last 30 games, so not hitting the ball with a ton of authority. But, you know, I think we could. Um, obviously, you know, ex-Woba isn't predictive. We've seen De Jong go on uh, some, some tears recently, and so there could be uh, better things uh, up ahead um, uh, uh, going on. So um, uh, next up, Danny Santana, who's been really, really hot Really nice power speed uh, combo right now um, over the last little bit. Uh, o swing though, the skills are not beautiful. Uh, just a warning. <laughs> o swing, 40.2%, so almost 10% worse than league average. He's a free swinger. In zone contact rate is low at 79.5%. Overall contact rate is low at 69.7%. Um, so he comes from the kind of Javi Baez, Avi Garcia, uh, type of mo mo uh, mode of you know free swinger who doesn't make a ton of contact, but he is swinging at a lot of pitches. Uh, ground ball rate at 38.7%, so below league average. Hard hit rate at 44%. His K rate is very high, 28.2%. Walk rate is at 3.6%. Uh, um, you want to know what I didn't look at? What is his Babbitt bat? His Babbitt's at 4 409, right? So uh, not super sustainable. The walk rate's at 3.6%. So, 
pretty terrible from a plate discipline perspective, but he is making quality of contact right now. He's uh, outperforming his WOBA, 426 WOBA over the last 30 games. So really, so terrific there, but a 328 expected WOBA. And then a 6.4% barrels per plate appearance. So solid, but not spectacular. But I think his value is that he does have that decent quality of contact. And you couple that uh, with the speed and it's really, really nice. And and the Rangers have been letting him steal. So a really valuable guy. I would just be prepared for uh, the reckoning. (laughs) Uh, We've seen it with Austin Riley and with other guys who have started out really, really hot, but not necessarily had the plate discipline to back it up. Now, Santana doesn't strike out as much as Riley, um, and the, the K percentage isn't terrible at 28.2%. But, you know, I do think um, I do think he's solid moving forward, right? Even if he hits 250, 240 um, with uh, a really, um, you know, with, you know, decent power and and speed, you know, that is very, very valuable in today's game. The bat has his rest of season projection, you know, 97 plate appearances, which I think is low, uh, 260, uh, a 260 average, four home runs, four stolen bases, 14 runs, and 12 RBIs. I think that's low again. He'll probably get twice as many um, plate appearances as that. And then you're looking at 8, 8, 28, and 24. So, you know, not bad. Just don't expect that average to continue as it is. Um, And then in OBP leagues, uh, a little bit less value uh, there. All right. Well, this short podcast, as usual, uh, ended up uh, going a little bit long here. Um, But uh, I did want to kind of take a dive into those guys, some really, really interesting guys. This is the time of year where you're going to have those uh, starting pitchers emerge, right? With Blake Snell going down, um, with uh, some of the other guys just, you know, with pitching being so volatile, you really need to monitor those skills and try to catch a guy when he's hot or when he has um, some good matchups coming up. And so um, that's what I would say. You want to know what I forgot to cover? I forgot to cover Zach Gallen, what, who he's got coming up. Uh, he is going Tuesday, so he's got a two-start week. Next week, he is going to have oof, Minnesota, and then actually, he's not going to have a two-start week. He'll have a two-start week the following week against the Mets and the Braves. Uh, he only goes against Minnesota next week, and uh, I'm going to pass on that. It is at home, so not the worst start in the world. But um, anyways, okay, I just wanted to I want to make sure that I'm covering as uh, as comprehensively as possible. Um, but you know, those were some uh, some interesting starting pitchers and. Um, some guys to really like uh, moving forward there and, and a couple of interesting hitters there too. That is going to wrap us up for episode 85 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Again, we did a little reevaluation of Shane Bieber who looks really nice moving forward. I'm taking the L on that. Vince Velasquez, Reynaldo Lopez, Zach Gallen, Joe Musgrove, Brad Keller, Masiro Tanaka, a handful of pitchers we went over, and then Paul DeYoung and Danny Santana as well. Uh, I hope you, I mean, this was kind of similar to what I've done previously, but I'm trying not to get, I just don't have as much time to do the research and get as in-depth as I might have done in the past, but I'm still trying to give you the depth and the and the kind of context uh, to, to be as helpful as possible. So let me know what you think about this balance I'm trying to uh, to have here um, on the podcast. Um, but I will try to do at least one or two of these in addition again to the Monday night podcast with Bubba, Bubba and the Bat Flip. Definitely look at those and 
um, and, and listen and, and let me know what you think about that as well. All right, that's enough from me uh, for this evening or today as you're probably listening to it in the morning or whenever, but hope this is helpful. Some really intriguing guys uh, moving forward. Uh, always hit me up at Twitter at BatFlipCrazy uh, for questions, comments, thoughts, uh, or to suggest folks to cover on the next podcasts. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another. We'll